Hello, and welcome to Endeavors. Today, I speak with actress Scotty Thompson on her role in the new indie film, Limbo. That's today on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McKee. Well, hi there. Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of Endeavors. Hope you're all safe, healthy. Things are looking a little gnarly here. We're, um, we've seen a little bit of a spike. So stay indoors, wash your hands, and wear your mask. My guest today is an actress who initially trained as a dancer before getting a degree in performance studies and literature from Harvard. She has appeared as a series regular in the TV show Trauma and has had recurring roles on 12 Monkeys, NCIS, and Graceland, as well as guest starred in the following shows, Law & Order, CSI, CSI Miami, CSI New York, Ugly Betty, Shark, Bones, The Closer, Rizzoli Niles, Castle, The Blacklist, and Grey's Anatomy. As well, she has appeared in the films Crown Vic, Before I Wake, and a little film you might have heard of called Star Trek. In her new film, she plays an angel who is fighting for a man to get in to heaven. The film is called Limbo. It's a brilliant little film that you think is a horror film, but plays out almost more like a courtroom drama debating the aspects of a man Jimmy's life uh, and whether he was good enough to go to heaven or whether his misdeeds will take him straight to hell. She co-stars in the film with one of my favorite actors, Richard Reilly, who I interviewed right after Scotty Thompson, and who you'll hear from later this week, as well as Lou Temple, Lucian Charles Collier, Peter Jacobson, Veronica Cartwright, and James Purifoy. Scotty Thompson plays the role of the angel Cassiel fighting on Jimmy's side to get him into heaven. She is Scotty Thompson, and I spoke with her 
this past weekend. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. How's uh how's quarantine treating you? Um, it's been interesting, you know. I actually did uh fly three days ago to come see family. Some of my I was I left Los Angeles, I'm in Virginia, but I you know I wore goggles and a N95 mask and took a test the day before I went. Yep. Was negative. So, you know, um, but that was the first time I'd gone anywhere and it was anxiety inducing to fly that's for sure yeah no i remember i i flew to toronto a couple weeks ago um for some stuff and yeah it was weird they like give you the little like test when you go to check-in and you have to always wear a mask on the plane and every no one yeah. was there like the airport was empty on the way there it was strange times i tell you yeah are you based in toronto uh, i used to be uh i'm on the west coast now so i'm in victoria Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You guys are lucky. You're not so overwhelmed with cases. I'm like yeah. trying to find my way into Canada. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, BC and, and Victoria especially has, has been remarkably lucky. Um, yeah. I think, I think our public health officer has, has said all the right things. Yeah, it's all about leadership. She, uh, she has a line of shoes named after her or designed for her. Oh, yeah. Wow. The, 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 it was this guy, Jonathan Fluvog, who's like a well-known kind of shoe um, yeah. designer in, in based out of Vancouver. And so he designed basically the, the Bonnie Henry collection. Um, and then they donated all the proceeds to like food banks for children and stuff. That's amazing. So, yeah. I love hearing those stories. Yeah, no, we've, uh, we, we, we definitely like her. Um, you know, we're... I hate to say it, but you know, I'm I'm thankful I'm not in the states right now. I don't. I you do not have to apologize for hating for saying like it's. I get it, man. I get it. It's um. It's a It's just so weird here now. Yeah. But you know, just trying to stay centered, and you know, for me, it's quarantine's been about meditating more and uh, staying creative in my own way, and trying to stay sane, sane and centered, and see how I can you know, what I can do to help start anything I can do, you know, kind of thing, so. Do you, do you find any, I don't know, similarities between life in quarantine and, and the film Limbo? Because there's, it's all about the unknown, really. Yeah, there's so many. Um, I did a radio interview with Lou, who plays um, Jimmy, and we were just yesterday just talking about that. Um, uh, you know, the, the characters and in the filming process, you know, this was well in advance of quarantine. We as actors, you know, inhabiting that world, we're concerned about the quarantine element of the setup for us. Cause we were just in that pretty much for the whole, most of the time I shot at least in this one space. And you're trying to keep, keep the performance interesting and, so you have to rely more, much more on relationships and your intentions you have to be even more connected to and trust the, like the lighting and the directing and everything will keep it interesting for the viewers so that, because it is a lot of talking heads and dialogue and you're stuck in one place and, you know, and so there's that aspect of it that's really similar 
to what we're going through now. And I think relationships are becoming so much more important and how we interact with one another, you know, the people in our space as well as those not in our space like yourself, but especially those people that you share this like confined space in and how do you stay sane and hopeful. And that's another aspect of the film. Uh, and my character, especially I think has this, just unrelenting hope and belief in, in humanity as a whole and Jimmy as, as a human um, that I really love about her and enjoyed discovering and working with her and her arc around that. And I feel, it's, you know, finding hope in these times is challenging. And so I feel there are a lot of aspects of this film. It's just funny, you know, we were talking about that yesterday, like, how many things that resonate in the film and why it's so relevant right now, I think, in a way that we just could not have predicted when we were filming it. Well, it's, it's like you had your own little bubble because the majority of the film is, the, is you, Lou, Lucien, and Richard kind of all mm -hmm. in, in one space. What does that do to you as, as an actor when, it, when A, all your scenes are in one location, but you're you're with the same group of people in a confined space for a long period of time. Well, you know, the funny thing is we didn't have very long. I mean, I think we shot all of that in five days wow. in that one space, maybe four, which was a really tight schedule. It was like TV schedule. And I kind of felt like we seemed like we were in like a procedural, not that the film has it, the vibe of a procedural show, but you know, those, those actors who are the series regulars on those shows all kind of exist in a, in the, you know, sometimes they go out a field, but they live in this bubble and then these guest stars come in and bring in these different energies and, and performances. So we got, you know, Lou and, and um, Lucien and Richard and I had a whole rapport going and then we'd get the excitement of like the guest star, if you will, like, Peter coming in or Veronica Cartwright or James Purefoy and they'd bring this whole new energy for like a day and then they'd be done. Um, and that was, that was cool. And it did, you know, create new, new fun stuff that I find like when I go and I do a TV guest star or something and work with those folks, they, they're really typically pretty welcoming and I can understand now I've been on the other side of the equation and, um, and have, been on the other side before in TV too, but um, it made it fun and it also forced the four of us in the confined space to make sure we had each other's backs, you know, and, and a sense of camaraderie. So we're like, okay, are we, are we keeping it interesting enough for ourselves and for one another? What, what can we do to, you know, of course we have Mark overseeing it all and, and giving us good solid direction and um, the wonderful cinematographer um, Christos was, doing what he could to like in all these subtle cool ways to differentiate the moments and the characters with the lighting and um it was just you know it was it was really fun we didn't have a lot of downtime but we enjoyed and made the most of the time we did have it's interesting because i think when you see the film you think it's going to be a horror film mm -hmm. and then it's something else um do you remember what your initial attraction to to the role and, and to the film was? Yeah, um, I don't, I'm not someone who can watch horror very well. I don't have, just don't, it's not, can't do it. 
um, more power to you if you can. And I, you know, so for, for me, and I've, I've been in a few, but, um, I, I really liked the philosophical angle of the film and what these characters were struggling with in a really deep human way or what could be related to in a deep human way. Um, and I think that that's what drew to me too. And, you know, I, I think I appreciated the humorous bent that Richard provided. I didn't know how that would work because when I first read it, I didn't know Richard was playing it. And I've actually had worked with him before. And when I found out, I was like, oh, we're good, we're good. But, you know, I was like, how will this, you know, weave into this whole world? And I thought it worked really well. But, um, you know, when I first, when I read it, I was just excited by the, you know, these questions these people are trying to navigate in a really entertaining, honest and raw way. And I thought it was so powerful. You talk about philosophy in at its heart, the film is, you know, good versus evil. Did, mm -hmm. did, it, did it make you think about your, your own beliefs at all? And in this idea that all humans have the power to be both sides of the coin, it's just the choices that we make. 100% great question. Yeah. I, um, I did, you know, I've, I'm, yeah, I had I grew up with a religious background and then I've gone on a journey of exploring different spiritual modalities and finding my own kind of moral compass and discernment. <clears throat> and what I, I also really appreciated about the story and um, the world was that it forces you to look at your own judgments and our own capacity to assume things about people and you know, with the twist at the end that I won't give away, what assumptions we make about everyone kind of in the worlds in which we live. And I felt like this was such a great space to explore that. And it certainly made me think about any times I've judged folks one way or another for something. Um, and the fact for sure that, that nothing is black and white, you know, you come and you think one thing about somebody and that illusion is pretty much removed, but there's a, there's a redemption in the end as well. So you don't know where the redemption is going to come yeah. in life. You know, like you don't know, you think it's going to go one way and you're working towards this goal and then you may not achieve that, but something else comes in that is fulfilling in a different way. And then that's, and you might end up going a totally different route, but you kind of roll with it and you live in that gray zone. And if you try and put things into a black or white container, it doesn't serve you, you know, if you try and separate things, I mean, metaphorically and literally. You know, but on that note, I, I definitely think there was certain stereotypes that we saw personified in, in both your character, Cassiel, and in some of the demons. Um, mm -hmm. What what does that say about what we think is good and bad, what we think is right and what we think is wrong? Um, you know, I think that's, I don't know, I don't know what Mark, you know, the writer-director's intention was, but I can only really kind of speak to my character, I guess, and 
I think that was something that was interesting to work with of I'm inhabiting the role of the angel, right? And so I'm the good and these guys are the bad. And there were certainly some like obvious stereotypes and some pretty, pretty unredeeming qualities, but then there's Balthazar who's part of that world too. And he lives in a different world. And so for my character to come to terms with that and realize, oh, it's not, it's not all that simple. Um, and I think too, as an actor playing the role, her role, you know, she's determined and intelligent, yet naive and wants to, has a point to prove and gets like feisty a little bit. And so she's not just like all smiles and um, light, you know, I mean, if you will. <laughs> the the running joke in the film is that it's clemency and exaltation. Um, how much, if any, sort of legalese did you study at all for, for this? Well, uh, my, I'm lucky because my older brother's a lawyer. Um, I feel like I have all, all my bases covered. Well, a lot of them. My little, my little sister's a doctor. My older brother's a lawyer. And my little brother's a farmer. I haven't, I haven't played too many farm, farm folk yet, but, you know, hoping to. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I definitely had to ask him a couple of, couple of things. But over the years, I've, I've, I've auditioned for at least and played a few lawyers. This was my first like heavier, heavier legal role. So it was fun to finally like get to live in that. And, you know, I watched some of those, some of my favorite, you know, pull out some of my favorite legal dramas that I've, uh, films or TV shows that I've seen in the past. But I feel like I've been kind of hovering over that world for a while. So and then when I had questions, I can, I'm lucky, I can just call on my brother and be like, I don't understand this. Can you just clarify this for me? He's like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool. Right. Well, cause you don't want to, you know, you do need to know what you're saying. Cause if you don't understand exactly what you're saying, and I definitely don't understand legal jargon. It's very, it's, it's, it's like Chinese. Well, I'm curious the conversations that you had with Mark, because at times the film essentially feels like a courtroom drama. Um, Mm -hmm. what kind of conversations did you have in terms of, of how to play it? Um, you know, Mark, Mark was really trusting of all of us. He knew all of our work and he'd worked with some folks before he hadn't worked with me before. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's like a while ago, but I, I feel like I presented my concerns around, I, you know, my own, I don't, I don't come across as like, you know, I think in certain ways, like you have to be conscious of your physical appearance as well as your intention and energy and what you're putting off to the camera. And, you know, I can look really harsh sometimes. And I was like, Oh no, like I'm supposed to be a sweet, you know, doll faced angel. And I'm not really, I don't really look that way, you know? So um, that's where it's like, don't worry. We got the good lighting. We got the whole ensemble, the outfit we've, you know, um, and just, just talking and checking in with Mark through the process and making sure that there were layers and an innocence that was coming across as well as a confidence. And that's a really hard, fine line to, to tiptoe, you know, where you're not, you know, cause she is, she's naive in her understanding, but also really knowledgeable. And so that can be a strange lane to walk. And I felt like he had my back. And I remember there was one like chunkier 
meteor bit that I was having a revelation and proving a point all at once and, you know, just check, making sure. And we got, I was like, I want to make sure we have enough time to get enough takes. Cause we, you know, we're moving pretty quickly. And, um, he was definitely nudging me, you know, different ways. Like it was more scene to scene, um, as we were going and just keeping in tune with that. I think energetically he, you know, and, and performance wise, he trusted me and, and everyone else to come in with what, what our take was. And, then he sort of shifted a little as as we moved along. You, you mentioned the ending earlier, and it's interesting because 98% of the film, you think you know what the ending's going to be and how they're going to get there, and then they don't go there. <laughs> when did you first realize that the ending wasn't going to be when you, what you thought, and how did you react to that? I mean, I don't think I saw it coming either when I read it, and I loved it, and that was... Because, you know, I'm reading it and I'm inhabiting Cassiel in my head and thinking, okay, she's got to, she's going to prove her point. She's, you know, like going to keep believing in this person and, and that she's going to get to the other side of it. And it was like, oh, no, actually she gets to the other side. Yes, but not at all in the way. And that's, you know, that's like that thing. It's like the trick of. I don't know if you believe in a higher power or whether or not you do it. It's almost irrelevant, but that's that thing where your path just shifts and you, you know, you have this whole idea and then, and you think you've got your, you've wrapped your head around it. You're going to make it happen. Then, then you get thrown this curveball and you're like, Oh, but it's actually a great curveball, you know, even though it might be a difficult journey to get to the curveball <laughs> and like get to the other side of it. But that's, you know, I love that that was the way it unfolded in the end. This concept of heaven and hell, you know, it's it's been around forever. And I think even now in, in quarantine and COVID, people are re-examining maybe how they feel about the afterlife. Um, what kind of conversations went on with, with you and Mark and even some of the other cast about, okay, how do we approach this topic, this area? That we don't want to make it seem too hokey, but we don't want to make it seem like too religious as well. Yeah, I know. I think, you know, that was um, Mark's understanding and like shooting it in a pretty bland space. You know, we're not, we're keeping it really neutral and we're in this limbo, you know. Um, and then obviously he made a strong choice with the horns for the devils, um, which I thought was fun and like, you know, somehow didn't go too far in the hokey direction because everything else was so grounded. I, you know what I mean? So I felt like he found this amazing balance between the really grounded. It was like, we were just people talking in a courtroom, trying to like have, you know, a legal conversation with some occasional interruptions from, from Richard's character who's telling jokes, which I think is like totally how life is in an office space, you know, a uh, little nod to his appearance in office space. Um, but you know, it's like, how do you stay sane in, in these scenarios? And, and to me that felt super grounded. And then you're going into the flashbacks, which are very realistic and jarring and raw, but honest. And then the performances, everyone's performances were so raw and honest. And then you just have these you know, devil characters that come in and, and uh, have these horns, but they're being really true. They're, it's like the horns aren't there, but you know what I mean? Yeah, even Richard yeah. obviously had his on. So I just thought it was, um, Interest, an interesting nod too to our 
too, the fact that we like have all these ideas of things and that we just really, we have no idea what, we don't really know, you know, that's the mystery of life. And like, we're just always wondering like, are we gonna, am I gonna land in a place with people with a bunch of horns on? I don't know. Like, Did, did it make you re-examine your beliefs at all? Um, I don't know that it, it just, I'm always examining them, I think. So it was just an opportunity to put that exploration into my work, um, which hasn't happened, you know, in the same way. It's to be able to do that on screen was really fun. You, you know, I felt like I had these conversations a lot with people and, um, and my conclusion tends to be, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, it was just really fun to sit in that space and explore them in the characters and then have conversations with, the, you know, my co-stars about when we'd have a chance to, these phil philosophical things. And, um, and I guess, if anything, it did challenge me to explore my commitment level to my beliefs, you know, and what that means, too, you know. So it's not just the beliefs, it's how much you're committed to them and how much you're trying to force them on other people or not, you know? So your character, that was fun to think about. Your, your character gets dismissed quite often, first by Jimmy and Balthazar, and then Peter Jacobson's character comes in and is just a tyrant to you. And then even at the end, Lucifer comes in and basically tells you to, to sit down and be quiet. Did you talk with Mark at all about whether or not that was a commentary on societal misogyny at all? Yeah, that definitely came up. And there were some um, moments where I was like, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with them calling me this or that. And, and Mark was really open to changing a few words here and there. Um, but I did feel like this was an opportunity for me to stand in the you know fierce power of woman. Yes, this character is a bit naive, but she's not about to back down and that's um and it was it was like me and a, a bunch of men other than the women who came in who were typically victims of men's violence so um i felt like i got to inhabit a really cool space as a woman who was powerful and stood in her beliefs and ultimately has them you know i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but but it it you know, it's in the end, she kind of wins. Um, and that was nice because I did, I did feel like, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of really debased males around me and I'm holding space for women as a whole. And um, we didn't, you know, I think that, I don't know if it was a conscious thing on his part to showcase men in such a dark light, but um, at the same time, you know, there are characters male characters in there who are, you know, have a good streak in them too, like Balthazar. So I feel like he, Balthazar and I got to live in this sort of zone together of uh, really understanding the other in a, in a way that was more complex and respectful than everyone else, you know, yeah. which was a cool dance to be a part of this idea of you know faith and belief versus reason and religious allegory has always been a a, a long standing you know archetype or or part of part of film without the film being religious 
-hmm. why does why does that work for storytelling um i don't know i think maybe because uh when you take away the direct dogma of any religious belief, then, then you can have conversations that are more philosophical about what the, what the underlying questions are. So you can discuss what faith is in a broader spectrum without saying like it is according to this Christian paradigm or this Muslim belief system or so like we're all trying, I think all, you know, and for me personally with religions, I think, so many so many important questions are asked but also so many conflicts around the world historically and now occur because of you know what could essentially be boiled down to um interpretation and words as opposed to like underlying underpinning beliefs like if we actually subtracted all like the the aspects of the story and like got down to the basics we probably find a lot more similarities than differences. And so I think that's what this film is doing, trying to get to the bottom of it all and, and explore where the similarities and differences are in the most basic belief systems. And in the, in the, when you're not dealing with all like the other stories about the various religions and their facts of who's who and what, who did what, you know, in that narrative. Where where are you? Where do you stand on this idea of redemption and salvation? Because that, that comes up throughout the film. Yeah, you know, I mean, I again, I was raised Christian, and I remember the, what's the one, I'm, I don't know, the story of the, the guy on the cross next to Jesus who receives, gets redemption at the last minute, you know? Um, and I, th I felt like that was where Cassia was operating from, of, oh, she's, going to discover a redemption in this person in the same way that Jesus did in this person next to him. Um, uh, and I felt like that was a fun thing to explore in the film. And, and that's the source, you know, of, of hope and that people can change or come around or wake up and realize things. And sometimes they don't, you know, but also I'm, who am I to judge if, they make the choices they do is, and you know, then, then you get into the whole other gray zone of, well, you know, I, I was about to say for in my life, like as long as you're not hurting someone, but in the film, Jimmy was hurting someone or many people. So, you know, it just, I think the film raises a lot of questions that are worth exploring. Uh, you know, you, you've mentioned you've played both lawyers and doctors. I know you've done a lot of, legal based or, or or crime shows on tv and then there's this why is that subgenre? why is it why do you think it will always been around and has continued to be around and why is it such an effective storytelling method i don't know because i guess we you know those are that's a lot of how we operate in our culture system you know i mean we People are going to court all the time for various reasons, and we're constantly trying to, you know, operate and keep our society working and functioning, and we rely on these different aspects of, of the system we've created to keep, keep it working and keep people in tune with moral questions or, or those kinds of things. So I think that's why 
those shows are so successful because you can apply the, uh, you know, the underlying questions and structures and then change who the, the facts are, who the people are, who, how they live in the world, where they are, you know, you can kind of endlessly recreate that story, I think. You know, the, the, the back and forth between you and Balthazar essentially reminds me of just a giant debate, which is what a lot of courtroom dramas are. How would you describe your real life debate skills? Um, yeah, I think I'm different from Cassie Ellen that I'm much more open to, and we did, you know, she did have healthy debate, but I think I'm less uh, committed to my, like, I like to consider all angles a little more than she does. And then I'm like, I can be much more gullible. I can be swayed more easily. Um, so I'm not the best debater usually, but um, I need to like take something and process it for a while. And then I can come back and, you know, having like explored all the angles, be like, okay, now I'm ready to defend this angle, I guess. One note that I that I made here watching the film was metaphor for trauma. I think, you know, once we start to see Jimmy's flashbacks and the, you know, the the moments he has with, with his deceased parents. Was was that a conversation that came up at all, either with you and Mark or with any of the other actors about, you know, traumatic experiences and, and how we deal with that? I think for Lou, for sure. I think, you know, he was trying to convey a complex layered life um and obviously mark was created that you know and wanted that to be visible and explored and and, and you know i didn't have as much i mean i guess i was kind of relating to and trying to have sympathy for his character my character was trying to have sympathy and utilize that as an argument for wrongdoing and you know i think trauma does shape who we are and if we don't address underlying traumatic issues um, as we grow older, then they'll continue to inform our lives and probably lead us to decisions that maybe aren't the healthiest. Uh, one thing that it, I did notice about your character that kind of made me laugh is she's always sanitizing her hands. Um, where did that choice come from and how do you look back on that now? I know I was laughing. I was laughing about that when 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 the film was coming out. And I was remembering that I was like, oh yeah, that was just a choice of like this person is in a world where everything feels, you know, we were in this pretty like not very super clean space and uh, in the little sound stage we we're filming in. You know, it's like gray and dark and scary. And I was like, oh, this is gonna be super fun. Like she's shaking hands with these people that she's like, oh gosh, what kind of germs are they carrying? You know, she's an angel. They're devils, gross. Um, so that was just a fun choice I threw in there and I had fun with playing with that <laughs> and given where we are now, it's just hilarious to see. <laughs> uh, Jimmy makes a point of saying he hates Los Angeles. Um, and I think for people who aren't in the industry and don't live there and maybe even people who live in Canada, you know, people have their misconceptions about New York and then people have their ideas about Los Angeles. What are some misconceptions you think there are about that city? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think LA is just a weird, large suburb that you have to drive really far to get places unless you live in like a little neighborhood that you can just 
operate in and you have the luxury of not having to drive to work or whatever. Um, uh, I don't know, you know, what I think people think, Oh, Hollywood and the walk of the stars or, and you go there and it's, it's pretty like sad. It's not a very well to do area. And that was the, when I got there, I was like, Oh wow. Hollywood is, you know, you see the discrepancy and I think it's only gotten more, you know, it's only gotten worse in the last little while with the, you know, poverty um, and homelessness issues. And um, by the same token, there's so many great things about LA and places that you can get to just outside of LA. And it's, you know, really amazing. And the beach is right there. I mean, there's, and the weather's amazing. You know, I think that's one thing people assume and it's pretty great, you know, although, you know, by the same token, 10 years go by and you never have a season. So you're like, Oh wait, it's been 10 years. I thought it was just two years, you know, there's no winter or summer. It's just kind of all one thing, which is nice when all one thing is mostly sunny. Was, was that a big change for you coming from the Appalachian mountains of Virginia? <laughs> well, I'm not quite in the Appalachian mountains, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it was like super green and lush and rains a lot. And then I was in Boston for four years where it was really cold and winter was really apparent. You know, we in Virginia get like an inch or two of snow um, a year maybe. And it's it's not that much. But yeah, going to the dry heat of California and sun all the time. and But it's like a little chilly. Like here I'm in Virginia right now and it's so hot and sticky and I just want to do nothing. But there I feel more functional because it's not so sticky and the heat can be really bad, but it's it's not as oppressive as it is over here when it's hot. Um, and you actually have um, quite a great artistic background. And I, I know you started as a dancer, you danced with ballet, you studied performance studies at Harvard. Have you thought about how much your 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 background and how you got started, how that's influenced your choices now as an actor? Um, I guess so, yeah. I mean, you know, I think getting into acting was uh, appealing as a dancer, you know, and I started doing a lot of theater initially, and so I got to be on stage still and love to get back on stage. I've done a few little plays over the last bit and that's been such a treat. Um, and yeah, I think it sort of all continues to feed my life and creativity and um, being a performer from an early age and loving that and then discovering what it means to be on film slash TV instead of on stage because it's a very different energy. Um, it has been it all sort of it all sort of weaves together and continues to inform my life and i think i'm i'm you know i'm writing much more now and direct can you know starting to think about oh directing at some point when i feel confident in that you know you know i i've talked with a lot of actors who who move behind the cameras or or or, or who do both do you find that that's just a, a natural extension of, of wanting to create a story yeah, I think it depends on the person. I have actor friends who are just totally uninterested in writing or directing. They just want to act. And then I have other friends who are constantly writing or directing and doing that in addition to acting. And so 
yeah, I think if you're a storyteller and, uh, you know, you'll find your way in, maybe it's a podcast thing or maybe it's, you know, so you don't want to direct, but you want to hear other people's stories, you know? So yeah, I think you just find ways to keep telling stories and in fulfilling ways. And, you know, there's always lulls in our acting work typically. And so how do you fill that? What do you do in that time? Uh, and I know, see, you have a, a couple of uh, interesting projects coming up. I'm looking here. You, I know you have a, a, a show coming out called Manipause, uh, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what's going on with that. So some uh, things you shoot and then you just don't know where they're going. So Fair. Um, and then there's a, another one that I'm intrigued in called uh, The New Americans. What can you tell us about that? Um, you know, I'm not really sure what's going on with that or really any of the projects that um, I have on my IMDb. And, you know, I'm not sure because partially like COVID has put everything on pause. And so these independent films, it's a little harder to get back off the ground because now you have to like raise a little bit extra money for your insurance to meet all of the protocols, which needs to happen. Um, so things are a little, I'm not sure where a lot of things I've got quite a few uh, projects that I was actually supposed to go film something like three weeks ago and it looks like it's being pushed a little bit and then potentially going to another thing in about a month or so. Um, but everything's kind of touch and go. And so it's uh, not really sure what's happening with anything right now. <laughs> Just ready to like get on a plane whenever you need to or hop in your car and go wherever you need to and trying to live in that zone. I mean, I think as freelancers, actors are better at it than uh, some folks who have had to adjust more drastically to this new life we were living. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm hoping that these things take off. <laughs> well, what, I mean, what then do you think the industry's, you know, going to look like when we get out of this a year from now, two years from now, are we going to see more independent film or is it just going to be, you know, these hundred million dollar productions? I have no idea, you know, as, in the being in the category of working actor, I certainly hope they're going to continue to be indie films. Um, because I think there's a whole category of, of actors who, you know, make a living working on independent films and, and popping in for some guest stars. And, you know, I think they're trying to write out guest stars. So there's fewer new folks in the space for those larger productions. So I'm hopeful that, um, they're still, you know, new and different spaces for things to emerge. And um, I do think that, yeah, I'm going to just go with yes, that there will be uh, a reemergence and people just want to keep creating and stay busy. And so, um, you know, if we can find the, if folks can find the, the funds to make them, then, you know, I hope it keeps happening. I still feel like, you know, indie films don't, get the love necessarily that that the big films do um for you as an actor what's the appeal of of these smaller type stories well i think there's an aspect of camaraderie that develops on set when you're you know working with fewer hands on deck and and that's really fun and there also are, you know, there can be a little more creative freedom, although I think that really depends. You can have a huge budget film and still have plenty of freedom. It depends on who's helming it. Um, so, you know, I think it's just 
uh, more about what story speaks to me and, and does this independent speak to me or not? Yeah, it does. All right. I'm, I'm in, you know, maybe it won't get the same kind of paycheck, but I get to fill my soul and then balance it out with, with the other more money pieces or whatever. What in, in the course of your acting career, what kind of stories do you still want to tell or, or what kind of role haven't you played that, that you want to? Um, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I loved when I got to do, when I was on 12 monkeys and got to do some time traveling into the, the, I guess the forties and fifties. And then I got to go to the twenties for, uh, MacGyver. And I think it'd be super fun to be more regularly in a kind of period piece. I also am like, you know, the old West would be fun. Um, I've gotten to play some characters who speak different languages and been French and German and Russian. And I would love to, I don't know, some sort of like spy who, who's come, you know, constantly shifting those gears would be super, super fun. Um, and yeah, I think, um, I'm pretty open to, what comes down the pipeline, I think Cassiel was a fun character because she was confident, if naive, and, and to play more women who are like, know their way will be fun to do too, I think. Um, but are just still really flawed and um, have their struggles. And so, yeah, I'm, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what, what comes down the pipeline. You, you mentioned 12 Monkeys, and of course everyone remembers the iconic film uh, and then the TV series was a few years ago. What was it like stepping into that? Not only, you know, you were recurring, so you were stepping into a pre-existing cast, but also a show that was based on something that's so known in pop culture. Yeah, I actually, you know, it's funny because when I auditioned, I watched the film, I hadn't seen it, and I was like, oh, this is genius. And then by the time I, you know, once I got the role and I got to watch the episodes leading up to my, like, I guess I got to watch this first season because I wasn't in that. And I was like, wow, this is also genius in a whole other and awesome way. And it was just so fun to be part of such a smart show. And it's so also relevant right now. <laughs> it's all about like it launches with a pandemic basically. Um, I thought the cast was super welcoming and warm and fun. And I loved getting to work with Amanda Schell because she's a, a dancer and I was a dancer and was a, funnily enough, an extra in the movie Center Stage years and years ago um, before I was really being, you know, pursuing acting. And when she was, she was a lead in it. So all my dancer friends got a kick out of the fact that I got to work with her and she was lovely. Um, yeah, I had a great time on that show. It was so fun. Got to film in Budapest and travel a bit it was great uh of course what one of your your co-stars in this film is, is richard real and i'm interviewing him in about 20 minutes uh after after you uh and it, tell him and i say hi i will uh and i know you had worked with him before uh you did limbo but what are, what are some of your favorite memories of, of working with richard oh he's just so much fun so lovely when i worked with him it was like 10 years ago on a film called lake effects that we actually shot in virginia and I just remember him being equally warm and welcoming and um, just so, and then he's just so funny. Like I just, I, you know, 
I aspire to be, uh, inhabit some comedic chops is that like just skim the surface of what he can do. Um, he's just so great. And I just had a blast and it's always nice when you work with people you worked with in the past and you, you know, it's such a weird world. You're always going off and working with new folks. And then sometimes you crisscross paths again. And it's just uh, such a nice feeling when you get to cross paths again and collaborate. What, what, was it easy slipping back into that sort of actor coworker relationship after 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, I mean, gosh, we probably only had about three or four days of working together, but, um, you know, it just, it was so simple and, 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 you know, you trust that he's a phenomenal performer. So you're like, great. I know it's going to be good. <laughs> you know, like you never know if things, how things are going to turn out, but when you, when you realize you're surrounded by good talented company, I mean, I hadn't worked with Lou. He, his, work blew me away and Lucy and I hadn't worked with and he was phenomenal and I you know it's like I knew Richard was gonna show up and and that's such a pivotal role and that part what he inhabited like really could have gone south if it didn't if if it landed in the wrong hands right. and uh and I just was super excited and it was so fun to laugh and watch him do his thing you know just like sit back and enjoy the show because mostly it was just him doing his jokes and then of course my character not getting it or approving of the jokes but me scotty when it would just be camera on richard i could be like this is so great uh and one other actor that i wanted to mention who cameos right at the end he comes in and stares you down and be like this is what it's all about uh when you're staring there uh across at james purifoy um <laughs> in in his sort of kind of a ridiculous Texan accent uh, for, for, for Lucifer. Uh, yeah. What, what was that like? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I, I hadn't worked with him before and I didn't know what he would come in and do. And that was what was so much fun. Like every one of these people is so, every one of these actors is so experienced and they're at the point, I think you get to a place where you're like, well, if I'm going to do this film that I'm doing for the love of film, I'm going to, just explore my creative capacity and it was so fun to witness that and see someone who's you know he's worked with with mark before so he i think that helped in getting him aboard the film and like trusted mark and his vision and his abilities and so then for i'm sure for james it was like well what do i do to make the most of this you know i'm gonna just show up with something that is entertaining for me that makes sense for the character and I wouldn't in a million years have thought of what he showed up with. You know, I knew, okay, he's this British actor who's talented and, you know, and then he showed up with this whole other thing. It was just so much fun. You know, it's interesting because there, there's, there's two Brits uh, in this film and people always say, oh, you know, everything sounds smarter and British or, uh, you know, everything's always, you know, sterner and British and Lucien's got the accent, but, but James purposely, um, eschewed that what does that tell us about british stereotypes do you think yeah I, I i mean i can't speak to james's process but i'm sure he wanted to work against it and um you know it's a little bit of a like george bush kind of vibe that he brought to the table <laughs> and uh you know this, this is a americans in this you know it's said in la like why do we need i guess he was like well i'll just bring some some 
local, slightly more local flavor than from across the pond. What do you want fans who see this to, what do you want them to take away from, from this film? I think a healthy debate would be great, you know, to think about these questions and watch it with a friend or a couple of friends in a limited amount of people, or you could watch it in your homes and have conversations afterwards, but you know, a chance to contemplate these, these things about hope, what it means to hope in these times, especially, and how do we judge other people? And I feel like we live in such a, um, uh, what's the divergent, whatever, you know, there's so many, there's such like, divisiveness lanes people are in and it's like man we yeah divisive thank you um and we need to we need to move more towards debate you know and maybe you don't agree with someone but you got to be willing to consider their perspective or we're just just not it's just going to keep going away from one another and that does not a society functional society make so i think that this is a great film to contemplate you know, I don't, I hesitate to use the word good and evil, but, um, you know, what we perceive as good and evil and how we operate while we're on earth, as we see in Jimmy, like, what did he do while he had his chance, you know, in that chance, if you believe in more chances, you know, good, but if not, or even however you look at that, you know, what are you doing with your time on earth? And I think we're all kind of sitting sitting back and reflecting a lot more than we have been because we're not as distracted so easily these days with with community or large gatherings um sure people are finding plenty of distractions in other ways but you know i think it is we're in this forced time of reflection and recognizing you know life is short and death is knocking at our door with this virus in a way that people are usually not so in tune with. So I think we're sitting with all these questions and this is just a great kind of guide and entertaining way to think about it all and, and uh, see some of the ugliness as well as, as appreciate the humor and all that comes in between that. Well, the film is Limbo uh, and it is out today, I believe, as of today, August 8th, um, on demand and on DVD. Scotty Thompson, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. It was a blast. Thank you for your questions. No worries. You, you have a good day. Stay safe out there in Virginia. Thank you. I will. And, uh, and you be safe too. I will. And I will say hi to Richard for you. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Ciao. Bye. That, once again, was my conversation with actress Scotty Thompson. She appears as Cassiel in the new film Limbo. Uh, which is out now on DVD and available for streaming. That does it for me today. My guest on Thursday will be Scotty's co-star, the great, the incomparable, the hilarious Richard Reilly. Uh, and then next week, you will hear from author and memoirist Jesse Thistle. And also... Coming up later, we will have Michelle Latimer and down the road, author Andrew Piper. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Ciao for now. You say you like a
I always like to have a lot of sex. <laughs>